Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. If this is your first time here, I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. So glad you joined us for worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 8. Um, we're going to be uh, looking at the end of the chapter there as you're turning there. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Mission View Church, we have been growing. It's been amazing just seeing all the new faces that God's bringing to the church. And uh, it's just, it had been a, a phenomenal time. This, this time last year, we were averaging around 270 people. And this year, we're around 500 or so. So it's really amazing growth that we're seeing. We're so thankful that uh, we're able to share the gospel with so many new people and different things. But along with that growth comes uh, pains, growing pains, right? Um, there's been uh, a lot of staff changes happening. And to be quite honest with you, we were planning on, on kind of reorganizing the staff a little bit anyways, but God kind of fast forwarded that uh, as he does sometimes. You've probably heard me say it a million times, but we make our plans in pencil. God makes his plans in pen and he's got a big eraser. Right. As he takes that eraser to our plans. But uh, we've had uh, some really neat changes that that God's kind of led us into on the staff. And I wanted to share those with you because change isn't easy. Change is difficult. Like I said, there's growing pains and different things. And and, you know, as human beings, we like things just to stay the way they are, to be how they are. And we struggle naturally. We struggle with change. So um, I wanted to just give you some of those changes just right up front. Some of the things that have gone on. So Todd LePage is one of our elders here. Um, he's retired. And um, I, I was playing golf with him one day, or, or I was with him somewhere, and I said, man, Todd, you just seem bored in retirement. You know, there's, there's got to be something that you can do in the kingdom of God, right? You, you've worked out, you know, you're just, you're just playing golf every day, but there's, that's not fun, you know? But, you know, so um, um, I actually asked him if he would come on and be kind of our building manager. So he's come on in a minimal part-time position, and he's kind of managing our facility now. And just so you know, Todd was in charge of the, the building, building project. So he knows this. He knows this building um, cinder block by cinder block, so he's like the perfect person to do that. So he's come on in this uh, minimal part-time position. We also have had quite the increase in here, but even greater in our children's ministry. We went from averaging around 85 kids or so to having 150 up there in our children's ministry on Sunday morning. So um, I talked to Stephanie and her team. We thought it'd be really a good idea to kind of uh, re- re- reinforce her team, resource her team with another part-time person. And Cassie Brin has uh, stepped up to the plate. She's now our nursery coordinator and child care coordinator as well. So she does child care for membership class, peace with the pastor, all the child care for community groups. And she's doing the um, nursery coordinating as well, which she did as a volunteer anyways. So her stepping into this was just a really neat God thing. We're so thankful that she said yes. So she's been a huge help up there. We also added a receptionist in our offices. Um, now that we're here in this building, what we've realized is when we were in the high school, nobody came and visited us. It was so funny. When I started working here around five years ago, so I remember coming to the church offices and we would have our staff meetings and I said, would you put the uh, phones on silent? They're like, oh, nobody ever calls. <laughs> it's no big deal. Uh, nobody ever shows up, you know. And, uh, but now that we have this new building, people are showing up every day. It's awesome. Everybody shows up and, and talks with us. We get tons of phone calls and everything else. We're like, wow, um, it'd be great if we had someone in this position too. And that's a, a part-time position as well. 
and um, June uh, has stepped into that role. So if you see her through the week out there, June Bruns is our receptionist. She works for 10 to 2, Monday through Thursday. So we're really thankful to have her. And last week I introduced you our new care pastor. Uh, Dave Whitman has come on to be our care and connections pastor. So thankful. He's also a guy who's kind of retired as well. And um, I asked him if he would, it's, he was just like the perfect fit for this. He's a guy that probably most of you know. He greeted you as you came in, or he helped you park your car, or um, you've talked to him at a pizza with a pastor, at membership class, just amazing guy who had been in ministry a long time before and, and has kind of retired, but called him out of retirement as well. And he's a part-time pastor, so um, he's helping us out with that. Now, along with that, you know, all those changes, we know um, Joe Novak, one of our pastors, stepped down, and he's, you know, staying at home with the kids and different things. That's opened up all kinds of different things that we could do, or we just wanted to hear God's voice in that. So after much prayer, um, these the hires that I just mentioned are kind of hires just to keep us afloat. And we want to move Mission View to the next season that God has for us. And that those moves are going to be, we are going to be hiring an associate pastor. Um, the timing on that, we're just waiting on the Lord. And here's what happens in church growth. I've been working in church now for about 25 years. And um, the churches I've worked in just have, it's been amazing to see what God has done. But in this quick growth, what happens is your attendance growth happens very rapidly. And people show up and that's just awesome and that's great. But then your giving numbers lag behind those attendance numbers. So you have 500 people showing up, but people are here checking it out. This may be you. This may be your first weekend here. This is your first Sunday. And you're just checking things out. You're like, who is this guy? Wasn't he just playing guitar? That's so weird that, you know, now he's talking to us about this. He's going to preach too. Guitarists can't preach, right? Yeah. No, you, you may be here for the first time and you're just checking things out, right? Um, and that's great. We want you to check things out. But maybe you've been here for a while and, and you're past that point of checking things out. We want to invite you to Pizza with the Pastor and, and even uh, invite you to membership class as you've learned about Mission View Church. And uh, we want to be able to answer any questions that you may have. But also here's the other thing is we want to invite you to give to what God's doing here at Mission View Church. Invite you to give to the kingdom of God, to change lives. That's what we're about here at Mission View. And you kind of pick up on that in one Sunday. We are all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. When I was called into ministry and to preaching, it was because God had changed my life in such a dramatic way with, with just really simple truth that God loves you, that he gave his only begotten son for you, that Jesus died for our sins, that he's our only hope. In this life and in eternity, Jesus is our only hope. That I couldn't live up and we can't live up to this perfect standard that a holy, righteous, and perfect God demands. So God sent his son, Jesus, God in the flesh, to live up to that standard for us. And it's by grace through faith in the person of Jesus Christ that we're saved. That's the message. That is in everything we do and everything that we say here at Mission View Church. And we just want to invite you in to the mission of Mission View Church and making disciples, sharing the gospel. So if you've been coming for a while, just invite you to give to what God's doing here. We're so thankful that God has called us in such a time as this. 
All right. Just an update I wanted to communicate with you and update you on things. And we'll keep you up to date, too, as we're looking uh, for an associate pastor in that role. We can. It's probably going to be six or eight months out from when we hire that, but that's what we're planning. Like I said, though, God has a big eraser, man. That's why, as I've been in ministry, that's what I have learned is that God has a big eraser. I would say pen, but, man, I think the eraser is even uh, more powerful and shocking. Well, here in Mark chapter 8, we saw last week that Peter finally got it, that, the, that Peter finally said what all the disciples had been thinking, right? I, he turns this corner and he says, you are the Christ. And I, you see that, you read that, and you're just like, yes, finally, all this time, all these miracles, all these things that Jesus has done, Peter finally says it out loud that Jesus is the Messiah, and it's like, all right, here we go. And then, and then it just goes downhill. We saw that, that Peter, Jesus tells him that he's, he's going to die. He's going to suffer and he's going to do these things. And Peter pulls him aside. After calling him the Messiah, he pulls God in the flesh aside and rebukes him. Right? We saw Peter go from hero to zero in a matter of minutes. You know, right there. We're like, oh man, you're doing so good. Right? But, but Peter had this like, just, he was, he was messed up in his thinking. Have you ever felt that before? Like you thought this and you got this, right? I remember when I was a kid, um, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. So that's, that's southwest of here, down there, way down there by the river, about 40 minutes from Cincinnati. And um, growing up down there, when you're a kid, you always want to go to Kings Island. Now I know up here is Cedar Point. I get it. It's bigger. It's better. I get it. So you don't have to, you know, no, no hate email. It's, it's awesome. Cedar Point's awesome. But as a kid, um, all my friends would go to Kings Island. They would come home and you'd, they'd meet them at school and they'd be like, Kings Island's amazing. It's, they have pizza and they have hot dogs. And they have all this food and they have ice cream. It's amazing. Then there's these rides. They're unbelievable. There's these things called roller coasters. It's the best thing ever. You ride this thing. It's this, so much fun. You have so much. It's the best thing ever. You've got to go. You've got to go. So me and my brothers and sisters would come home and be like, dad, King Zion, what's this? And he's like, oh yeah, it's going to be great. So he plans this, this uh, family vacation to King's Island for a weekend. And I'm so excited because I've heard all these stories about roller coasters, how amazing they are. Right. And you think about that. And so we're going down there and everybody's so excited, my brothers and my sister. And we're like, it's going to be great. And so we get on that first roller coaster, the beast. Right? They always have, you know, the vortex or the beast. I don't know what the ones at Cedar Point are, but Kings Island. They have these vortex and the beast, right? And, and so I get in line for the beast, and I'm like thinking, you know, have you seen those pictures on the internet? I think we have a couple of them. The happy picture of on the, on the internet. Go ahead and throw one of those. You're thinking this, right? Woohoo! You're thinking this, or what's the, another nice one? And the, oh, yeah, right? That's what we're thinking. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then I start hearing this click, click click. And all I see is clouds, clouds, clouds. And I'm afraid of heights, heights, heights. And it goes and it keeps going and it keeps going. And I'm, I'm like, it's going to stop eventually, right? I don't see the end of the tracks. You know, I'm in the front coaster. I'm thinking joy and happiness and, and this is going to be great. And it turns that vertical, like drop, and I'm leaning forward in the coaster, ready to fall out the front of it. And I don't have happy, happy, joy, joy. I have this. 
<laughs> and, and something like this. There's another one. This. I'm not. This is not happy, happy, joy, joy. I, I was promised rainbows and unicorns. And I was given tornadoes and pterodactyls. And I remember screaming so loud that I lost my voice in one coaster. And I, I hate coasters. I hate roller coasters. I just say it out loud. I'm afraid of heights. I don't like heights. I don't like roller coasters. And um, it was terrifying. I was promised pizza and ice cream and wonderfulness, not terrifying and puke. I was, I was promised the good stuff, you know? And as I thought about that, I was like, that's what Peter felt. Peter's like, he's promised the Messiah, this victorious king. He's going to conquer Rome and he's going to get the Jewish people and just wrap them in his arms and woohoo, it's going to be great. And it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. Peter's like, Jesus, hold on a second. Come here, come here, come here. We don't do suffering. We don't do hard times. You're the Messiah. You're here. You're going to beat the Romans up and we're going to be awesome. Okay? rebuking Jesus. And we, we talked about what that meant and the implications of that. And, and one of the big takeaways for us, and, and we'll talk about it today too, is, is that we do, this, we do the same thing, right? We have these ideas or different expectations, and God always comes into those ideas and expectations and just does his stuff, does his thing, you know? You know, we, we, we make these plans, like I said, in pencil, and God just comes in with this big eraser and says, here's what I'm going to do. Let me tell you this. God's plans are always better than our plans. Amen? God's plans are always better than our plans. Let's pray before we read God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We give you all the glory and honor and praise this morning. And God, we pray that you would bring your eraser. That you would you'd bring your big eraser and that you would open our eyes, open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word and the mission that you've set before us that is so much greater, so much better, and so much bigger than our minuscule and limited and finite understanding reaches. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've got a sermon in, in just like my one point, right? Here's the one point. You can just write this down. Come, follow Jesus. Come, follow Jesus. That's my sermon. All right, let's go watch the Browns. No, I'm just kidding. That's my sermon. There's still three points, though. Let's get into this. Mark 8, starting in verse 34, says this, And calling the crowd to him, this is Jesus, with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. One of the things we've noticed as I'm going to stop there. One of the things we've noticed as we've gone through Mark and looked at the life of Jesus is that Jesus takes what people expected and goes the exact opposite route. And then on top of that, going the opposite route, he takes it to a whole nother level. Just completely another level. And that's what he's doing right here. He just said, I'm going to suffer. Peter tries to rebuke him. He says, get behind me, Satan. He's going to suffer. And then he takes it to a whole nother level here this week. And he says, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. 
He's saying that we're going to suffer. It's not just Christ is going to suffer, suffer, not just the Messiah is going to suffer, but whoever follows him would take up their cross and follow him. Verse 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And the first thing I, I want us to kind of pull out of this text, and it's the first fill in your notes, is this. Following Christ, this come and follow Jesus, is a denial of self, and it's taking up our cross. This is cool to notice here. Because Jesus starts out, he says, calling the crowd to him. Jesus calls the crowd to him. What he's about to say is not just meant for his disciples, but for all who would listen, all who would hear, all who would look to Jesus as the Messiah. He's calling all people to himself. Whoever would come to Jesus, this is the word. Jesus goes from this one-on-one interaction with Peter where he's saying, get behind me, and he's bringing it out to the crowds. This is the cool thing about Jesus. He's calling not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles too. The world, anyone, anyone who would come to Jesus, recognize him as the Messiah. And Jesus gets to the heart of Christianity. And it comes directly against the pharisaical view of the Messiah and, and Peter's view and the disciples' view. And, and our view, a lot of the time, he comes against the view most Christians hold today. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, take up your wealth and riches, your health and easy life. Take hold of your dreams and make them your own. You be you. Embrace your desires It's all health, wealth, and prosperity from here, guys. Let's do it. I mean, if there was like a church planting guru, let's say online somewhere, or pastor of some mega church somewhere, they would hear this sermon that Jesus is giving. If you're going to follow me, take up your cross. This would be like me saying, grab your electric chair and come and follow me. Deny yourself. Deny what you want, your desires, and come and follow me. You know, this, this megachurch fashion would be like, uh, uh, you don't want to say that. That's, that's not what you say. If you want people to come to your church, don't say that. You gotta, you gotta tell them, you can do what you dream. You can achieve. God wants to give you life and life more abundantly, you know. And he has all these things. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. That's what it says in God's word. In fact, it says it in Psalms 37.4, which is one of the most misquoted and misunderstood verses in all of Scripture. Let's actually look at that. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We take that second half of the verse, right? It's like, he's going to give me, give me, give me, give me the desires of my heart, right? It's Christmas time and God's Santa Claus. I made my list. He's going to give me, give me, give me, right? 
And we miss kind of the, the impact, the important section of the verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. When he becomes our delight, when he becomes what we desire most, when he is all that we need and all that we're running after and everything and every part of me is just going after him, when he's our desire, he will be there because he is the desire of our hearts. He's all we desire. Our greatest delight is Christ. And when I'm going after him and he's all I want, he will never let me down. And he meets me right there. When God is what our hearts desire, he gives us what our hearts desire. That's what that verse means. It means he's not going to leave us alone. Weak and weary and searching. He comes in power and meets us in the struggle and he changes my heart. Not always changes my situation, but he changes my heart. Jesus is making it clear that we can follow him in victory, but it may not play out the way that we think it should. We live out the victory of Jesus by denying ourselves. We have to get over ourselves and learn what living selflessly looks like. Living like a servant looks like. What does it look like to live like Christ? And then, I mean, that selflessness, I mean, that's one thing. But then taking up your cross, that's the second thing. Take up your cross. We have a cross. Christian, you have a cross. And the cross is suffering The cross is pain. The cross is difficulty. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking here? I mean, he rebuked Jesus when he said Jesus, when he was talking about himself suffering. Now he's saying, hey, Peter, take up your cross. Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that he would suffer. Now Jesus takes it to this whole nother level, saying that you need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross and suffer too. Did you know That is what you signed up for when you gave your life to Christ? That's not the sermons we hear today. I I haven't heard that anyways. Selfless, sacrifice, denying yourself, taking up your cross. You joined the war against sin and darkness. You have taken up arms against the flesh and the powers and principalities that are warring against the spirit inside of you and warring against light. It is darkness against light. Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. You have to give it for him. Everything that you are, come And follow Jesus and die. Kill the flesh. Sacrifice the flesh. Pick up your cross and die. Jesus invites us into his death. Baptisms, I think it's next week or in a couple weeks, but what a beautiful picture of this. That as we give our lives to Christ, we, the old man, the old Matt, is dying. And, and, and baptism is a picture of that death with Christ under the water. And being raised to new life in Christ and his spirit fills us. Now here's the good thing. 
You know, I've been a little downer, a little Debbie Downer this morning. It's okay, right? Because here's, here's the good news. He's not, he's not asking you to die and then just saying, hey, good luck with that. He's not, he's not like, hey, be selfless. There. Good luck with that. That's not, that's not how Jesus works. And in fact, after Jesus died a physical death on the cross and was buried for three days and rose from the dead, defeating death and sin for me and you, he ascended into heaven and get this. He says, hey, it's better that I leave you now because I'm going to send my spirit to live in each of you. So he's not saying, take up your cross and deny yourself. Good luck with that. He's saying, take up your cross, deny yourself, and I'm going to do it through my spirit in you. You are not alone. You are not by yourself in this suffering. But Jesus, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what giants lie ahead or mountains are in front of your life because the Holy Spirit, God, lives in you empowering you, growing you, and changing you. There's nothing you can't face. Nothing. There's nothing you cannot do without, with Christ in you. Because he can do all things, amen? That's the good news of Christianity. It's not the easy life. It's not the health, wealth, and prosperity stuff. It's whatever God, by his sovereignty, brings into your life and then empowers you and strengthens you and lives through you. Jesus never asks us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. Did you hear that? Because that is good news. Jesus never asks us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. What a beautiful, beautiful thing in Christ. His spirit living in us. Number two in verse 38 is this. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The second feeling is this. Following Christ is surrendering to his word. It's surrendering to this. God's book. God's holy word right here. This is truth. Our world is in search of truth. In fact, they've been so desperate for it, they've started making up truth. They're so desperate for real truth, they just make stuff up. They say things like, your truth is your truth. Woo! And my truth is my truth. Let's go! All right! Well, what if my truth is different than your truth? Oh, Truth, truth is true. Yeah, just truth. Wait a second. Like, if, if that's true, and that's true, and that's true, and that's true, and they're opposites, then there's no truth. There's no truth at all. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, he says. This is truth. Our world is desperate for this. The revelation of God and creation of the Son of God and His sacrifice for us, the revelation of the end, when it all is finished and done and Christ comes again. It is all right here. And the world is desperate for it. Be ashamed of the Son of Man and His Word? I don't think so. 
in this adulterous and sinful generation, where do we live? Adulterous and sinful. Look at the world around us. When, the, when, we, when there is no moral foundation, moral truth, this everything crumbles and falls apart. And you get crazy things happening. Things that are illogical and go against science itself. It's crazy. And we're living it. I mean, you read this text and you would think it was written last week. But it was written hundreds of years ago. Are we ashamed of the Word of God? Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. 20 years ago, I read that scripture in a church. No questions, no sweat, nothing. I read it today, and pastors get fired. Are we ashamed of God's word? Ooh, I mean, you can hear a pin drop in here right now. Probably online, too. Are we ashamed of God's word? Right? We're not banging people over the head with this. (laughs) I'm a sinner. I could read a couple texts in here that I'm sinning with right now. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. In fact, in that same book I just read out of Romans says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's no one sin greater than other sins in God's eyes, perfect, sinless, apart from all of this. He's perfect. We're all sinners, desperate in need of a Savior. And He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Come, follow Jesus. Come, follow Jesus. There's suffering, there's difficulty, this is not easy, but he's with you and his spirit lives in you. He's calling you to this truth and to this life. Make him your delight. And he's going to give you what you are searching for. So what are some practical ways that we can surrender to his word? What are some practical things? Here, I want to give you some just real practical things to do this week. One, read it. (laughs) That sounds really simple, right? But I know some of you are out there going, oh, gosh, I'm going to make time for that one. Right? I've been there. There's, there's, there's times I've been there trying to work it in the day, right? Read it. And how do we do that? We plan to spend time with God in his word daily. Plan that daily. Two, meditate on it and memorize it. What a great exercise. I love meditating and memorizing God's word. One of my favorite scriptures, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but also the interests of others. Isn't that a great scripture? I just wrote that on my heart. Just memorize that. 
And it's not just so that you can spout it off and sound spiritual and all this other stuff. No, that's junk. The reason we meditate on God's word and memorize his word is so that we can preach it to ourselves. I preach that to myself all the time because I'm a prideful dummy. And I think too highly of myself all the time. And I need humility because God opposes the proud. He's an enemy of the proud, but he takes care of the humble. So I, I want to be humble. So I've written that, that on my heart. I remind myself to think of everyone I meet as better than me. And I would treat them as such. Man, that's, that's God's word. That's meditating on it, preaching it to ourselves, memorizing. You don't memorize it to be super spiritual. Memorize it because we're desperate and need it. Amen? I know I do. Three, do what it says. <laughs> I told you I was going to get super practical, right? Just do what it says. Do what God's word says. It's easy to read it, and it's sometimes even easy for some to memorize it, but then to do it is a whole nother ball game. Four, talk about it with others. Talk about God's word with others. We have to be proactive in this. If we're going to surrender to God's word, we have to actually engage in conversation with other believers to encourage and challenge one another in God's word. So be proactive in your conversations. Lead the conversations to God's word. And lastly, we listen to it with others at church. There's something powerful about opening God's word together on Sunday mornings. As we've gathered together to hear the truth of God with one another, it is encouraging one another. As you hear someone agreeing with what God's word says, you hear an amen or a yes, that's right. You know what I mean? There's this encouragement that happens that, hey, what, you know what? You're not alone in this. Not only is the Holy Spirit, it's not you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. It's you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, tomorrow, and even after Jesus comes, when we go in glory with him. Just some practical things we can do. Okay, let's jump back to the text. Verse 39. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. The third filling in your notes is this. Following Christ is power. Following Christ is power. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. As we follow Christ, we are submitting to the rule and reign of the Lord in our lives. We are proclaiming Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and we're acknowledging his death and resurrection and his second coming. When we do this, we find the power to overcome in Christ. No amens or anything for that one? Oh man, I, there it was again, guys. I was like, teeing it up, right? No, here's, you got to follow me here. Let, let me say that again. We are proclaiming Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and acknowledging his death, resurrection, and his second coming. When we do that we find the power to overcome sin and this world in Christ. This is walking in the Spirit, his word says. Okay, you're not real excited about that? Let me help you out. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. This is like so good, guys. Really, really powerful. Stick with me. Galatians 5, 16, 17 says this, but I, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the human condition. Every single one of us in here, every person watching online right now is in this struggle of going, why do I do the stuff I don't want to do? Why don't I do the stuff I know I should do? 
Okay, if you can, if that's you, raise your hand. If you're in here, raise your hand. I see you online. Raise them. Raise them. It's every single one of us. If the Apostle Paul, I quoted the Apostle Paul there, just so you know. That was Paul saying that. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I know I should do. If Paul says that, we all say that. That's the human condition. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. Because he knew we had this in us and we need the power and we need to walk in that power. We need to walk in the spirit. And this is the key. If we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh because the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Oh, this is good stuff. Here we go. You want to follow Jesus? Deny yourself and take up your cross. Don't be ashamed of him. Look to his word and the gospel. Live out this faith and follow Jesus. That's walking in the spirit. That's walking in him. This is the power we find in Christ. Now, this is really cool. Here in Mark 9, 1, we kind of jumped into chapter 9. I thought it was important to address this. But what Jesus is talking about is that when he says that some of you will not taste death. This is what I want to get into. What Jesus is talking about is what we will look into next week in the following verses. So I'm going to give you a little sneak peek here. This is really important for what we're talking about right now, walking in the Spirit. Jesus is talking about the transfiguration. Ooh, big church word. Wow. Deep breath, everybody. Transfiguration. Jesus' spiritual glory comes on him. He takes three disciples up onto... Oh, this is great. This is awesome. I love this story. He takes three disciples with him up to the top of a mountain. And the glory of God indwells his body, raises him up, levitates him right above the ground. And there's all these lights and a voice comes from heaven. I mean, this is an account of biblical proportions. Literally. Okay, gosh, you guys. Work with me here. Work with me here. Everybody online is laughing. No, this is an amazing story, and these disciples are witnessing the glory and majesty and divinity of Jesus right before their eyes. Right after, Jesus says, take up your cross. Deny yourself. Give your life away. If you, wanna, if you want life and true life and eternal life, Give your life away. Can you imagine standing before a cross where a human being has been beaten beyond recognition, whipped so that their skin is off their bones? You can't see their face, it's gone. You can't see their body, it's gone. All you hear are the cries and moans of a body beaten beyond recognition. And then nails piercing their arm, hands, and feet. As they hang there, they have to raise themselves up with their feet just to take a breath and then let themselves down. That's the only way they can survive. Crucifixion is a death of suffocation. When Jesus says, take up your cross, this is what they see. Roman crucifixion. Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself. And we see this horrific You mean take up a cross? Are you kidding me? I got to think about this for a minute. And then he transfigures himself in the glory of God. (laughs) Think about that connection. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. 
suffering for the kingdom. Give your life away. Oh, and by the way, here I am. And all my glory and majesty and everything that I'm calling you to do, look to me. Come and follow me. I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to empower you through this. You can do it because I am in you. My spirit lives in you and I'm the one who's going to do it. That's the good news. What a picture we have. You think Peter's rebuking Jesus after that? He's one of the three. Just by the way, no. You know what happened after that? This Peter was martyred. And he was like, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus, my Lord and King. Hang me upside down. And they did. Man, that's what Jesus does in us. That's what his spirit does in us. And that's what God wants to do in you. He wants to take you from someone who's rebuking him and saying, wait a second, get rid of that eraser. Jesus, take the wheel. As long as you're going my way. And he wants to empower you, walk with you and beside you and do what only he can do in us. Come and follow Jesus. Two, two people here. Well, there's a lot more than two, sorry. Two kinds of people here. You're hearing this and you're like, yes, I need this. I want to walk in this as a Christian. Man, I need more Jesus. And then there's another group of people here that you're hearing this and you're like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for, man, the health and money and desires of my heart. I didn't know this stuff. It was a bait and switch. But this is what you want. You want a changed life. You want a new destiny and a new mission and an eternity with your Savior, Jesus. He's calling you. He's saying, come, follow me. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be awesome because he is awesome. Let's go to pray to Jesus right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and every day. God, I pray for all here and all listening. God, you would empower us to be the people you've called us to be. Come and do what only you can do in and through our lives by the power of your spirit, Lord. Come and have your way. For those here that want more of you, God, I pray that you would meet with them in their Bible study times this week. Those would be powerful times where you are just changing their minds and their hearts with the power of your word. May your spirit come, your kingdom come, and your will be done in their hearts and in their lives. And for those who don't know you, that want to know you, God, come and manifest to them right now in the name of Jesus. God, that your spirit would just come upon them, revealing your truth and your life in them. Bring them to life, Father, in you right now. We trust you for that. And we look to the amazing life, the perfect life that Jesus lived and the sinner's death he died for us and his resurrection and his second coming one day for us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing our closing song.